Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Good morning, good morning. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our daily ATS meeting. Glad to have each and every one of you on. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Today is Tuesday. So we are here. We are going to continue with the real estate teaching. Before we get started, I wanted to let you all know um, that September 30th is still a go. Okay? September 30th is still a go for the real estate investment. Um, the, the real estate investment and uh, all the things that Antonio is doing right now with his family have nothing to do with each other. They do not coincide. And Antonio said, hey, listen, I, um, I'm always, always here to serve and I'm going to continue to serve. And every time he gives his word, he sticks to it. I have never seen him go back on his word about anything. And so he said, hey, September 30th is still a go. We're still going to do the real estate, uh, real estate investment deal September 30th. And that's why he has myself and Deanna teaching real estate and with the lesson right now with the rental properties because he wants to make sure everybody's equipped and we have everything we need. Uh, Miss D, I see that your, your mic is unmuted. Something you want to share? Oh, no, ma'am. I'm just so I don't have to keep 
going back and forth. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> all right. But yes, so wanted to let you all know that uh, as people continue to come on, I'm going to let them in, let you know that from time to time. Okay. Real estate is the real estate investment on September 30th is still a go. All right. So <clears throat> he has us teaching the real estate so that we all can be equipped and have what we need so that we can understand if this is a good rental property or not to invest in. All right. It's because he understands this September 30th is not the only rental property we're going to invest in. And so when we have, when we see other deals ourselves, because Otis is going to see a deal that I'm not going to see, or she is going to see a, a, a deal that I'm not going to see. And so we all have to be equipped and know, hey, is this a good deal or not? You know, now, of course, we can always ask when we come to the group, but it's always good to know for yourself too. Okay, it's the, it's the Baptist in me, the pastor always say, don't take my word for it, go look for yourself. So here we go, all right? <laughs> so here we go. Um, so on the real estate, the how to analyze a rental property, um, back of the envelope analysis, we stopped on the 1% rule. So we're gonna start with that all over again, just to refresh our memory and to continue going. So let me share uh, my... Share the video, make sure it's shared right. Okay. That right now. So the 1% rule is basically a rule of thumb or a shortcut, and you typically use it when you're early on in the analysis of a property. So for example, your realtor sends you a bunch of listings and you just wanna see, is this approximately a good deal? It's not gonna be something you buy a property based on, I hope, you're, not, you're gonna do some other anal analysis in addition to that. Let me tell you what it means. Basically, it means that the, the monthly gross rent of that property, if you want to meet the 1% rule, the monthly gross rent should be equal to or greater than 1% of the total purchase price. All right, so let me show you an example of a property that would meet the 1% rule. So let's say something rents for $2,000 per month. Your realtor sends you a deal and the property is listed for $190,000. And it's in pretty good shape. So the total purchase price also includes repairs, by the way. So it was a major fixer-upper and you needed to put $100,000 into the property. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your all-in cost is going to be about $190,000. Is $2,000 greater or equal to 1% of $190,000? So 1%, it's always easy to figure out 1% because you just take the decimal place and you move it over two, two times. So $1,900 would be 1% of... 190,000. And yes, 2,000 is greater than 1,900, so it meets the 1% rule. Let's look at a property that does not meet the 1% rule. Let's, let's say you have a property that rents for that same $2,000, but then you could, you could buy it for $300,000. Well, 1% of 300,000 is $3,000, mm -hmm. and so that's not, it's actually less than so that one does not meet the 1% rule. Now, why is this helpful? This is, remember, similar to the gross rent multiplier that we're just looking at the monthly gross rent. We're actually not looking at the expenses on the property and all that. So that's why it's just a starting point. But it, this is a, a really quick approximation. You saw how fast I could do that. You can be looking at a lot of properties and screen them based on whether it met the 1% rule or not. And I'll acknowledge, and this is something we can go in more depth on in another video about the 1% rule, that not all properties and not all markets are gonna easily meet the 1% rule. And so you, you're gonna to need to make a decision based on all these formulas that we look at, does it need to meet the 1% rule for you to buy the deal or not? 
Can it be close? Could it be like the, you know, the 0.8% rule if that meets your criteria? But the, the fact is, is this is a measurement of approximately how good a property is at producing rental income. If it's better than the 1% rule, it's better at producing income. If it's not, it's not going to produce a lot of income. So you better make some money in some other ways if it doesn't meet this rule. Once you All right, all right. So with purchasing property with the 1% rule, what you're doing is you're using it to narrow down your list. So when you talk to your real estate agent and they're saying, hey, we have four properties in this area, you can do 1% rule to help narrow it down. But do not use the 1% rule to make the final decision. Great, go ahead. All right. Uh, once again, for those of you all who are just joining us, Antonio wants uh, us to let y'all know that the invest the investment, the real estate investment, September thirtieth is still a go. It's still happening, which is why Dion and myself are going over this deep real estate knowledge. And he also uh, wants you to be partners and be able to construct your own deals. Okay, so September thirtieth is still a go. All right. So now. The 1% rule, which is what they were talking about, and Deanna was saying, um, the GRM is what he was saying, he was saying, but that stands for gross, gross rent multiplier. So that's a ratio using yearly rent. But real estate investors, you know, they always think in terms or usually think in terms of monthly rent. So the 1% rule is that rule of thumb that takes that into account. And so <clears throat> in a nutshell, the 1% rule says that the gross rent of a property should equal at least 1% of the purchase cost or better. Okay, he gave two examples, one that met the 1% rule and one that did not meet the 1% rule. It needs to be greater than or equal to um, the monthly gross rent. Uh, I'm, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, the monthly rent needs to at least equal or be greater than 1% of the total purchase price. So he, he gave you two examples. Now, meeting the one percent rule I'm sorry, does... go ahead please forgive me um if y'all can raise all hands for leg brace know who needs that to be replayed back so you can take it just in case you miss something okay. have anyone who needs it to be replayed back no i don't see any hands up all right all right okay. frida's gonna need the whole replay <laughs> yes, okay. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. So meeting the one percent. Um uh oh, sorry. Yeah, meeting the one percent rule, it doesn't automatically make the deal good. So you just can't say, okay, this meet the one percent rule. We're gonna invest in it. Nope. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> make sure you look into everything. Okay. Make sure you look into right. everything. Okay. Because um,
you know, a really bad storm just hit and, and it, they haven't replaced the roof yet or, you know, half the ACs on the property are out. That's good. And that's just because the numbers match doesn't mean that's going to work for you once you put it all together for your renovation. So you have to take everything into account. So, again, don't use just this one rule to make your final decision on, yes, we're going to go with that property. And you, you still haven't done your due, your due diligence. Okay. All right. All right. Um, also, okay. I'm sorry, Deanna. I was talking with my god sister about my grandmother. Did you go over the properties in the high price locations? I didn't go over it in detail, but I was letting them know that they do need to make sure they look at that. So you can go ahead and touch on that. Okay. So, yeah. So the properties that are in high price locations, they'll never come close to the 1% rule, but they could still make a financial sense in some cases. So don't rule them out, okay? You don't want to rule the, 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 the ones in the high price locations. Now, if a property does meet the 1% rule, it's just one sign that you may have an interesting investment candidate in front of you. So don't fly off the handle and, and just look at, I'm going to just look at the 1% rule and if it, if it, if it meet it, then we're going to go with it. No, don't do that. <laughs> you got, please, okay, please. You got a lot more factors, a lot more factors to look at, okay? Anybody have any questions? <laughs> oh, Deanna, did you, you have, have something? Take, oh, yeah. You have to take everything into account. Uh, into account again, the occupancy. If occupancy is below a certain rate, it may not even be cash flowing, but they just may be selling it at a certain price that works for you. But if if they sell it and there's no cash flow, you're going to be responsible for that. So you have to make sure you don't just use one rule of thumb. Use a few different rules, and if they all look good, all right. But if just pay attention to what you're doing, that's all I can say. Go ahead, Grace. All right. Did anybody have any questions about anything on the one percent rule? Okay. No, Mary. Y'all doing good. Thank y'all. All right. Thank you. Okay. So the I next thing that came in late. Oh. Okay. Um. With the 1% rule, we were saying we went over it Friday. It was, uh, we just went over it again, Miss Sandra, saying that the the rent, the grossly, the gross monthly rent has to be greater than or equal to 1% of the total purchase price. So if, if uh, rental property is like $2,000 a month and it's the total purchase price is $190,000, well, 1% 1 of $190,000 is $1,900. And so $2,000 is greater than the $1,900. So it does meet the 1% rule. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right. Thank you much. Very welcome. Okay. Um, one more time before we keep going. Antonio wanted us to let y'all know that the investment September 30th is still happening. This is why Deanna and I are going over this deep real estate knowledge. And he wants us, uh, he wants all of us to be partners and to be able to construct your own deals. Okay. So we're going to continue to go with the uh, video that we're going with. Now we're going to go over cap rate. So hold on, let me share. Let me share. And we're going to keep going. Um, Grace. Yes, sir. Um, comment. Um, 
if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and because I, I don't want to mess up, is that Antonio said we were going to first do he was going to do some type of a deal, and we would be involved, and then next would be the real estate. If I'm not mistaken, I know we got the the micro businesses, but but he was saying he was going to do some type of a deal where we could participate which would be on a smaller scale, then we would go next into the real estate. And I just I just wanted to put that out there because I don't want somebody to come back later on saying it was something different. And if and if there needs to be a clarification, hopefully by the end of the week we'll have that. So, you know, people won't people won't put words in your mouth or Antonio's mouth, but I thought I, I remember him saying that. Deanna, I saw you unmute your mic. Yes, sir. You are absolutely right, Jerome, and we will definitely uh, solidify that for everyone that the first deal is going to do a big deal and bring everyone in, and then after that, it will be bigger deals. But I will definitely um, make confirm that with him, and you guys will know concretely, that may not be a word, but it's a word today, concretely <laughs> tomorrow morning. Thank you, Jerome. All right. Okay. Okay. So we're about to share and we're about to talk about cap rate now or learn about cap rate right now. So let me share my screen. To use the 1% rule of the gross rent multiplier to get an approximate, maybe a kind of a pre-screening of the deal, a much more in-depth and, and accurate analysis of the property is going to be what's called a cap rate. Let me define the cap rate with a formula and then I'll explain a little bit more what it is and how you can use it. So the cap rate formula is that you take the net operating income on an annual basis, so the yearly net operating income, I'll explain what that means in a second, and you divide that by the total purchase price. And I say total again because it's not just the price that you see listed, if it needs some repairs, you've got to add some other things to it, you want to include your total price for the property. So let me explain what the net operating income is. It's essentially when you take your gross rent that we, we talked about in the last, last part of the, the video and you subtract all of your operating expenses. So this includes your management fees, your taxes, insurance, maintenance, all of those things. And what's left over, and actually I just want to emphasize you're not taking out your, your, any kind of debt payment. So no mortgage payment yet. I'll explain why in a second. But you, when you take your gross rent, you subtract all your operating expenses, you get what's called your NOI, your net operating income. And this is a really important number because if you think about it, you know, if you, if you want to compare apples to apples, like one property to another, every property has a little bit different debt, a little bit interest rate, somebody puts a different amount of down payment. So to be able to compare two properties and see the ratio of how good a property is at producing income compared to the price, that's really what this tells you. A cap rate, the way we're looking at it now, you can use cap rates in all sorts of different ways. People use them for market analysis, use them to compare you know, a region of a market compared to another region or different types of properties. But what I'm talking about here is you can use this as a goal to understand whether this property is good at producing income or not. So let me give you an example of how that might work. So let's say a property produces $10,000 in net operating income. And you can- Hey, you ever seen a wealthy person or a wealthy family or a jet owner? Like, I got a it's jet, a sorry, you, know? you ever done that, seen that and wondered? could buy the property for $100,000 all in. You can pause this and do the math if you want to. Pretty simple math on this one. 10,000 
divided by 100,000 means the cap rate is 10%. All right, so let's look at another one though. Let's say that same property only produced $5,000 per, per year. And this is an annual basis, remember. Net operating income divided by, and you could pay the same price for it, then your cap rate would be 5%. So if you've ever looked at return on investments or dividend rates or, or earnings rates in stocks, for example, it's a very similar concept here. You're basically looking at what's that ratio? What, what kind of return could I get if I just paid all cash for it? I didn't have any debt on the property. And I find it very useful because it always reminds me of the opportunity cost of what I'm doing investing in this property. When you start involving debt and down payments and cash on cash returns, something we're going to talk about here in a second, then it gets a little messy. You can, you can play some games with this, but it's hard to play games when you look at how good a property is at producing income with a cap rate. And you can compare that to other things. Like what if you could go get a bond, you know, like a treasury bond or something, which, which basically has zero risk. You know, there's not a risk of default, it's passive, you're not having to do a lot of work like you are with a rental property. If you could get that at 3% and you're buying a property that's also at 3% as a cap rate, you know, maybe you, maybe you buy that property, but I would really have to start wondering to myself, I could buy a completely passive, no risk treasury bond for 3% and I'm buying this rental property for 3%. I better have a really good reason to buy this rental property. Maybe I am, maybe it's a great location and I'm feel very certain that it'll go up at three or five or 10% per year. Well, that's, it could happen. It's a little bit speculative, but you, you at least need to answer that question for yourself because the first and foremost, the thing a rental property is, is there to do is produce income. And that's what this measures. A cap rate measures the ability to produce income. Now that, but you might be saying, but wait a minute, Chad, when I buy rental properties, most of the time I do use a mortgage. I do use debt. So how is this relevant? Well, it's just, again, it's just the first step. It's one way of looking at it. And we have another formula that I want to share with you now that brings in the fact that you might use a mortgage and it helps you analyze the income from that standpoint. All right, all right. Deanna, is there something you want to share before we keep going? Okay, she may not be in a, she may not be, she may not be in a position to talk. Oh, Deanna? Girl, I that's <laughs> <laughs> No, but I just want everyone to remember that your cap rate uses your net operating I was done. I'm, no, I wasn't done. I'm sorry. I was about to make sure you was done. <laughs> yes, okay. Okay. So you all saw saw the math that uh, the gentleman was doing. Net operating income, annual net operating income, uh, divided by the total purchase price, and you get that's how you get the percentage. So the cap rate tells us how well a property produces income after expenses. Y'all hear Antonio talk about that all the time. He say, Hey, if you if you have Ten thousand dollars after expenses, you're doing good. Okay, so uh, but that was that was towards rental properties. That was towards you and your business. So the net operating income. Oh, is, yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Um, that is why it is very important that before you do anything, you know what your goal is. You know that from this property, based on the area, you want to get at least 5000 out of this property a month. And you know going in, when you start doing your math and everything, then you know, okay, this property's looking good. This, and doing the cap, the cap rate really helps you because you're like, okay, after all expenses are paid, am I am I getting what my goal was? Am I am I getting? But if you don't know what you want from a property each month, then you then doing the math, you're just looking at, oh, okay, that's okay. Like let's say you have a, you get paid twenty five hundred dollars a month. And you want this investment, this property, this real estate investment to match that and a little more. So you say, okay, I want to invest in a property that that's net operating income is 4000 a month. And you're like, okay, so when you start doing your math, you know any property that does not reach this is not work, is not the goal you're looking for. But if it's a good investment and you can afford to make multiple investments that add up to that, that is your choice. But know your goal before going in. You, you are about to make a massive investment so you can retire. So you don't want to just go making investments all willy-nilly and then have money tied up and then when you get that investment you've been looking for you're like man now i'm locked in on all this other stuff i have to wait for these so make sure you know going in what your goal is and then doing your cap rate when you start pulling those numbers you're like okay yeah this one will work okay yeah this one will work okay so let's start doing other numbers on them since these are the two that work out of the four we had these are the two numbers that are working right now. So let's start digging deeper. Go ahead, Grace. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. All right. So <clears throat> once you know what your goal is, the net operating income, or if you hear the guy say NOI, that's what that means. Net operating income, that's your gross rent minus all of the properties, operating expenses, and deductions, like vacancies management, taxes, insurance, repairs, HOA costs, et cetera, right? Now, all of those expenses, they do not include financing costs. So you can't put that in there, okay? So the financing costs are not a part of the operating expenses and deductions, okay? So you got to keep in mind that appraisers or brokers of investment properties, they use cap rates to discuss the overall market. So they may say, say things like, for example, the market cap rate is 7%. So you saw the math. So this means on average, most investors in the market purchased their properties with a 7% cap rate. So what they did was they took the net operating income and they divided it by the total purchase price. And that's how they got their percentage. So that's how they got their cap rate. Any questions? Or Ms. DeMarie, do you have anything else you want to share on cap rate? Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, um. No, no, there's nothing else I, I need to say on cap rate. I just just want to reiterate to everyone, you're not just utilizing one formula. 
you're utilizing multiple formulas to make sure that this property is a good investment for you. There you go. Okay. Any questions, anybody? I have one. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so I wanted to ask um, Deanna if you got the um, email that I sent on a property just to have something to teach on and to let me know if I was thinking might when I'm looking at it. I did. I don't remember getting that email. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll send it to her. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Anyone else have a question? All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is net income after financing. So we're going to share this share. I'm going to share my screen to about an hour. I'm going to share my screen and we're going to get going back on the video. So this additional formula called the net income after financing, I see is that a very good complement to the cap rate. I start with the cap rate. I want to know without any debt, how does this property do at producing income? But then we often do use debt, maybe you would too, to buy a property. And so you want to bring in the income after financing. So here's the basic formula on how that would work. You would take the net operating income, which we talked about with cap rate, but you can also see on an additional video, see the link above, I have a video on how to calculate net operating income. And you take that number and you subtract your financing costs. Okay, this is going to sound a little nuts, but the fastest and Commercial. easiest way to make passive online income on Amazon. For example, let's say you calculated that you're, you have a duplex, and that duplex on a monthly basis produces $1,200 per month in net operating income. So $1,200 per month. And you figure out that your mortgage payment is $800 per month. So that's going to be going out of your pocket to pay your mortgage. So the difference between those two is just $400 per month. And that's your net income after financing. And you know, really when it comes down to it, this is one of the most important numbers because it basically tells you what you're gonna be putting in the bank. Of course, there is some tax, there are some tax implications, which I'm not gonna get into this video. It's a little bit more complicated, but I will have some future videos to talk about net income after tax. But this is a pretty rough estimation because you have a lot of tax benefits like depreciation and things like that that help you shelter your income. A pretty good estimate of how much you're going to be putting in the bank, $400 per month. And so some people use this as their primary goal. They might look at a property and say, okay, it's got uh, two doors, it's a duplex, that means it has two front doors, two units, and they might have a goal of having $200 per door in, in net income after financing. So you could do that and then you could run the numbers and say, if it doesn't have $200 per door, then I'm not gonna, not gonna do the property. If it's a house and you wanna make, just make sure you have $200 in cash or net income after financing per month, then you would just make sure that's your goal and you would just run the numbers. You would do this analysis on a very basic net operating income uh, estimate. You would be able to run your, then estimate your financing costs, which by the way, there's a little bit more, another step to doing that. You can go to an amortization calculator online and do this very simply by, by just putting in the amount of the loan you're going to be borrowing, the estimated interest rate, 
and it'll tell you the, the payments that you would have. And you can go to the one that I like to use a lot. I have a link. You go to coachcarson.com forward slash amortization. I can spell that right. So coachcarson.com forward slash amortization. That'll take you to a really one I've used for years. I have no affiliation with that, but it's a calculator I like, and it'll help you figure out your mortgage payment or your financing costs. So that is the net income after financing. And I'm going to talk about one more formula that has to do with income called the cash on cash return. It's also very helpful to go along with this formula. All right, Ms. Marie, you have anything you want to share first? So yeah, so with this one, if you are getting it, this, this formula is perfect for those of you who are getting financing to purchase your property. If you're doing, if you're doing, if you're paying cash, no issues, but if you're getting it financed, you have to factor in the financing. You have to factor all of that in. So the wonderful thing about each one of these formulas is it helps you regardless of what you're doing. So if you, if you so if you're just paying your cash, if you pay your cash for the property, then all these formulas work without having to uh, calculate in your financing. But if you're getting your property financed, now you know okay, well, I'm financed for this much. This is how much my net operating income, so everything after expenses. And then with the financing, here's what I'm looking at about each month for financing. So I, what I want from this property each month is this, and I want to be able to, and with, with the financing being covered, so now, again, you have a goal of what you want, you know what to look for, and now you know. Well, you can ask yourself: Will this property, will this, will this property finance itself and pay me? Will it pay itself off and pay me? And that's what this—that's what this formula does. So make sure you, uh, we'll make sure we send the link again so you can go over the videos, or go over the video yourself and take your notes. But. Have all of the have all of these these formulas written down and help you through the process to make sure that you're making a, the right investment for you. All right, thank you. Go ahead. You had something thank else. You. Go ahead. No, I was like, you know, I was finished. Okay, thank you, uh, uh, Miss Donia. I did put the link in the chat to the video. I'll put it in there again throughout the uh, throughout the call. Um, so if you hear some stuff in the background, y'all, uh, my grandma decided she wanted to get out of the bed, sit on the couch and have her ice cream cone. Okay. She said she wanted that this morning. We said, okay, <laughs> your, no birthday is, your birthday is tomorrow. You have what you want. All right. So, <laughs> Come on, <laughs> so, um, that income after financing costs. So remember NOI means net operating income. And until now, all of the, um, the BOE, uh, back of envelope, the income analysis, it didn't take financing into consideration, but um, many real estate deals do include financing. So you'll want to know how much rental income is left over after you deduct the financing cost too. Okay, so make sure you do that. This is what this, that's, this is what this part of it is about. So you can set goals for a minimum amount of cash flow that you'd like to earn per property. 
for example, your goal may be to earn a net income of $100 a unit. I know he saw in the video, he did $200 a unit or $100 a door. So a four unit property would have to produce a minimum of $400 per month. If your goal is to get $100 per door and you got four doors, so the minimum goal is $400 a door, right? If your minimum goal is $500 and you got a four unit property, anybody know how much that is? I got to take, I got to, I got to quiz y'all on these math skips. Okay. If, you, if your goal is to produce a net income of $500 at the door and you got four doors, anybody? 125, 125. 125. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> if I want to earn a net income of $500 per door and I got four doors, so I got to produce a minimum of 125 a door. Come on. Mm -mm. 2000. I'm talking about total. I'm sorry, Jerome. I'm talking about total. <laughs> I was saying if, if I want to earn a net income of $500 per door and I got four doors, then the total I want to earn is about $2,000. But I see what you were doing, Jerome. I saw that. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so this type of goal is useful so that you can ensure your property produces enough regular income to reinvest into one of your real estate retirement plans or to pay for your lifestyle once you're ready to take it easy, okay? So anybody have any questions on that? The net income after financing, you want to make sure you include the financing and see what your expenses are after financing. All right. D, you have also Grace, Grace. Go ahead. Um, I would, I would also include, and if something will happen, like one of the renters don't pay and things like that. So incidentals um, always include that into your calculations, so that you're always creating a cushion each month that it's not going into your pocket, but it's going to. You know, say if somebody doesn't pay rent or the renter moves or something happens, you always want to leave that uh, cushion for yourself. That's real good, Antoine. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Deanna, did you have something? No, no, I don't. Okay. All right. So our next one is cash on cash return. Cash on cash return. So here we go. All right, so this is the last of the formulas that I want to talk about with analyzing income for a property. And this is called a cash on cash return. And this is one that I would use to complement the cap rate and the net income after financing because it gives you an idea of what kind of return you're getting on your down payment or the amount of cash you have invested if you use financing. And so I just explained how to use net, how to calculate net income after financing. Hey, you ever seen a wealthy person or a wealthy family or a jet owner? Like, I got a jet, I'm sorry, you know? You so the, for this one, you just need to figure out how much cash you put into the property. And I say down payment, but it might be in addition to the down payment you make when you purchase a property, it might include any other cash you have for repairs or you know, closing costs or things like that. So you wanna make sure you include everything, but let me show you an example. So using the numbers we had from, that, from the last calculation, last formula, you had $400 per month in net income after financing. So for a year, mm -hmm. that's just uh, $4,800 per year. And let's say that you had a $50,000 down payment. So remember, I do really approximate math with these. You don't have to be exact. You know, if I looked at that without a calculator, 
I would just say, you know, 10% of 50,000 is 5,000. This is a little bit less than that. So it's around a 10% return, a little bit less, a little bit less than 10%, but around a, a 10% cash on cash return. Now, why is this valuable? This is valuable because you have to be disciplined with your cash. So when you invest the cash in a property, you at least just want to see how much of that cash am I getting back in year one? And that's really what this means. This means based on the numbers I have, if I put 50,000 bucks in, I'm going to get about 10% of it back. And so you can compare that to other investments that you have. You could put it in the stock market and maybe you get an index fund that gets you 2% dividend rate. If that kind of thing is important to you, if the income return is important to you, then that is a good measure of it. The thing I'll say about cash on cash return though is it's kind of a tricky calculation because when you use leverage, it, it can sometimes not be as important as some of the other ones like cap rate and net income after financing. For example, let's say you, you got a very small amount of cash flow and you got $100 per month or $1,200 per year, $1,200 per year, but then you had a $1,000 uh, $1, down payment somehow. You know, you or maybe maybe even a you know you got a, a FHA loan and you put a, a really small down payment had a good good price on it. If you put three thousand down, well, all of a sudden you have this incredible cash on cash return. This is all this is like greater than a thirty you know thirty three percent cash on cash return. And you might say, wow, that's incredible, thirty three percent. But these are really small numbers. Three thousand down, twelve hundred per year. I mean, what if you ended up getting three thousand dollars? per year in cash flow, you'd have a 100% return. Isn't that incredible? And that's the best deal ever. Well, maybe, maybe not, because you're magnifying your returns because you're using so much leverage, using a high amount of leverage. Now, there's nothing wrong if that's a good deal for you and that makes sense, but my point is, this is why you look at a lot of different formulas. You wanna use a cap rate, you wanna use net income after financing, and make sure that it works in multiple ways, not just a cash on cash return. But I do think it's a good one to bring into the mix as you try to have discipline for making sure you're actually getting a return on your cash. All right, so I spent. All right, all right. So that is cash on cash return. Deanna, did you want to share something before we get going? If you're speaking, your mic is muted. Okay, so cash on cash return. So it tells you, Deanna was saying, it tells you how much of your down payment or upfront cash investment comes back to you as cash per year. So if you got a very small down payment, uh, 
or for example, a large amount of leverage, the cash on cash return is actually not that useful. So if you invested $5,000 and earned $400 per month, you'd have a 96% cash on cash return. Or if you invested, if you invested none of your own money, the return is infinite, even with a minuscule positive cash flow. Why? Because you didn't invest anything. You invested somebody else's money, right? <laughs> so it's good. So extreme leverage is really what makes this possible. So remember that leverage magnified returns can also lead to leverage magnified losses. Okay. So he, he was giving yeah. an example. Oh, go ahead. Do you want to say something? Yeah, you have to, with everything you do, you have to think about both so you can be prepared for both. So while you have this massive leverage turn, that boss can come into place too. Anything can happen. You can have an emergency on the property. You can all of a sudden have multiple move-outs at one time. You can, anything can happen. The, the property value goes down or it, it's, you know, all those renters that you have, all of a sudden they're buying homes. Like these things do happen. I was actually on a property where when I first got there, it had a certain uh, percentage and then all of a sudden I'm getting 30, 60 day letters because people are buying houses because at the time the market was so wonderful that they were able to afford houses. And these things happen, and you have you have to consider all of this. And when you have something, when you have something like the, the cash on cash, you have to understand what when you have massive leverage. You got to be careful because that leverage has to be returned. So you you have to consider all factors. So if you're looking at a property, you're like okay, well, if my cash on cash return is this much then let me think on the opposite end. What have, what will, what do we need to do with this influx of income to make sure? And that's what I, um, I can't remember, I did, I can't put the name with the voice earlier, but the gentleman was saying, I think it was Mr. Otis, he was saying how you take that money, that extra money, and you put it away to prepare for, for things that happen. Oh, that was Antoine. For, Antoine, thank you so much, Antoine. Thank you so much, Greg. If that, what if the taxes goes up and you didn't prepare for it? What if you had a massive, what if you had like five units in a, five air conditioner units go out at one time and you only bust? Go over certain. Air, air conditioning units can, you cannot wait to repair those. Okay, thank you. Okay, so y'all y'all heard her. I don't go behind good preacher. Now, now, um, let's see. Want to see? Okay, so the the cash on cash um, it becomes more useful when you invest those larger amounts of cash up front. So it's a form of discipline, you know, uh, to help you compare your cash return from this deal 
to other potential investments like bank CDs, which I don't know if anybody really does that anymore, bonds, stock, dividends, and annuities. So because cash flow is so critical to survive in the long run, um, as a real estate investor, um, you may want your, real, your, your rental investments to make a premium cash on cash return compared to the other lower hassle forms of investments. So if risk-free government bonds return is 2%, you want you know you want to make a lot more than that. So <laughs> uh, like all of those calculations, uh, you have to also look at the entire picture. So if you're making huge returns on the property's equity, for example, it might be acceptable to have a smaller or even a negative cash on cash return mm -hmm. for a short period of time. Okay, I see. Um, or she is hand is up. Deanna, did, did you want to say something? Oh, yes. Now, we're teaching you these for big deals, but for those of you who plan on making this, like this is your retirement. This is it for you, and you, or you decided uh, you want um, single family homes. You can use these same numbers to help you with that because if you think about the area it's in and you do the math on everything, you get your numbers, and you're like, okay, well, if I finance this, it's this much, this much a month for me, so let me determine the rent. Or if I'm just putting cash down, how much do I want back after the net operating after net operating income? How much do I want back? So these these formulas help you with a broad range of things. You can you can use it for if you're buying a business, you want to know okay net operating income. What am I getting after I buy this business? How is this how is this loan? What's the cash flow down? So these numbers help you with everything that with your major investments when it comes to real estate and, and things of that nature. All right, thank you so much. Ms. Arshia. For example, um, say you're doing the real estate deal right now as a group. Um, and then after that, you get your, your return. It, then you want to do another one. Is it wise to go and form a a corporation or an LLC. So now that you're in the flow and you learn how to do these things, now you have a company to, you know, protect your assets while you do those things to keep everything separate. Okay. I want to make sure I heard the question correct. So you're saying the first deal you do is in a, in a group of people and you learn and you get the flow of it and now you want to go and purchase your own property. So mm -hmm. you should, oh, okay. Each property is its own LLC. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to explain to everybody why. If for any reason, Let's say you have all of your you have all of your properties. You have fifteen properties. They're all under one LLC. I need everybody to understand. If you have been a renter, you think property management sucks. If you have been a property manager, you know that renters suck. You can have the best renters, and you also have the worst renters. So if you have all of the, let's say you have fifteen properties. All of these properties are under one LLC. You have one renter from one of those properties decide that they want to file a lawsuit against you 
they will have access to all 15 properties. So on the off chance you lose that lawsuit, you lose all 15 properties. But if each property is under its own LLC, not only to protect you, but to protect your legacy and your investments, you you have 1500 Market Street, 2800 Avenue L, 45th and Q, that's three different LLCs. And if somebody from 45th and Q decided that they wanted to listen to their family when they were the cause of whatever happened and they want to file a lawsuit or they just felt like it and decided to file a lawsuit, if they win, they only get 45th and Q. They don't get to touch the other two. This not only protects you, but it protects your income. You you know, if you put all your eggs in one basket and you drop the basket, you have a you will lose all the eggs. But if you have two eggs in one basket, two eggs over here, two eggs over there, you drop one you drop one basket, you still have two other baskets. You always want to protect yourself. So each property goes into its own LLC. Thank you so much. There you go. Okay. All right. And Deanna was naming real streets in Galveston, y'all. Okay. So <laughs> she said 40 feet of key. <laughs> and it was just flying out my mouth. Like literally, I, I was just throwing stuff out there. That's it. <laughs> I have a question though. Is oh, that ahead. the same? Is that what you're saying? Is that different from a series LLC? Like how you have the LLC, but then you have different tiers of the L like is that not the same thing or you mean complete different like start a business and then start another one and then start another like how you have to do the LLC it's both and this Adrian can y'all hear me mm -hmm. yes hello yes we can hear you okay can hear you it's both is both and Miss Adrian. Let's say you have one whole conglomerate that you want to put everything underneath. So let's say you have misunderstood real estate. That's your LLC. Then each property under that LLC, you can make a series under that LLC. But but it depends on how you want to do it. If you talk to your accountant, your accountant says this is the best way to do it. I will follow what your accountant says because they they that's their ministry. So if your accountant says, no, I'll put them in individual LLCs, that's what you do. If your accountant says, no, we can do one big one and make them um, series, that's what you do. So it's both in this agent. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So now that we've covered the back of the envelope analysis for our first calculation, which was income, we're now going to continue and look at the second calculation, which is equity. So I'm going to share my screen. Spent a lot of time going over back of the envelope formulas for analyzing the income of a rental property. And I spent a lot of time because those are really the foundational pieces of an analysis. You know, we call it rental property for a reason because it produces rent. That's one of the main reasons we buy it. We can use that rent to put money in our bank account. We can use that rent to pay the debt. We can use that rent to... If you've got the Airbnb app on your phone... Hey, Secrets of Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. 
Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, maybe a a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code, seriously, like a real-life cheat code, and then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merrick Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're already halfway to making six figures in semi-passive monthly income. To have it grow over time and make more rent, but the point is that income is very important. But there there are cases, and the reason I want to give you another tool to also analyze along with those income formulas is that sometimes the income is not as good, and it might not be the main reason we buy a deal. Like I like to get properties that produce both income and have some equity growth potential. But especially in a hot market, and and sometimes even within... Any market, if you buy some of the higher quality properties, you know, it might not be a screamer of a deal just on your cap rate and net income after financing and that sort of thing. And so equity analysis is another thing that you need to understand and bring as a tool in your toolbox. And let me first of all define what equity means. It basically just means what you own. The reason I have a balance sheet drawn here, this is a really important concept to understand, is that in any business and finance and investing, you have, you have the same thing. You, you, are, you are basically buying assets. So in our case, it's a rental property or a piece of property. Hey, Grace, can you, you could pause be buying a stock one? or a CD or whatever. And it has a certain... All right. So with, the, when it, with equity, there are like, there's, we have five different examples for equity. So what we'll do is we'll pick up on equity tomorrow. But I want to uh, go over again, who has questions please ask your questions if you think your questions are crazy ask them because if you have a crazy question i don't know how to word it but i'm gonna blurt it out blurt come on okay so i'm trying to see how can you get get all the get all the llc's or whatever but how can everything be tax-free do you form a trust form um fund and um have your trust fund pay out things if I'm saying it correctly you are asking an absolutely amazing question and I'm not even going to sit here and lie to you that is not my ministry <laughs> so hold so if you could I just learned it hey I just learned it you could email that question I will okay. answer it loudly tomorrow morning okay I will answer it loudly because that is a wonderful question. And you, you divvying into out of my ministry and into somebody else's. And I, I have grown to understand 
if it ain't your lane, stay out of it. Because you may direct somebody, they may go the wrong speed or make the wrong exit or miss the exit. Therefore, I'm going to stay in my lane, Arshia, because I want to make sure you get the right information. And I have another question. The reason why I'm asking these things is because I'm in a process of doing it now. But now that I have clarity, I want to make sure I'm making the right move. There you go. And right now, so I know that you can get grants if you have a, um, a nonprofit. But now that I'm aware now, that you can get grants for your business for profit and also you can get federal grants. Now that you know that I'm aware of that, and even though I don't have an overhead, like a physical building, I can say my overhead is my my home location. But when it comes to the grant, I want to make sure that I'm wording everything properly. So I make sure I document everything how it's supposed to be so everything can work smoothly. So I'm, I'm in the process of figuring that out too. Again, because wording, no, when it comes to grants, wording is everything. So here's what you do. Email all of that and then what type of wording, like, I'm gonna just throw this out here, Arshia, I have a feeling you're gonna catch it. What type of wording you're looking for Okay, and that way, when I sit down with Antonio, I say, okay, hey, Arshia had this great question and I know my lanes. So I'm coming to the appropriate lane to pass it off. So I'm passing the baton. What is the answer to this question? <laughs> and, and then I'm gonna say, okay, now she, and she, she's in the process and she's talking about grants, she said, but she wants to know what's the proper verbiage to make sure she get paid. Ah, there it is. What is the type of verbiage? Yes, ma'am, because you mean what you said. You know, once you get your money, you want to make sure you get it done for you too, right? I didn't so, even gotta say that. Look, I didn't even got to say that part. It's just the fact that you are, you're moving. And when you, when you move forward, Antonio tells us all time, all the time, moving forward solves all questions. Well, moving it's, it's several moving, for, moving forward solves all problems thank you and not only that moving forward shows you your holes you're moving forward so at so the questions he's going to be grateful for the questions and you know i mean we all i like got you. i'm gonna send questions i'm gonna send links so you ain't gotta worry about search i'm gonna send everything I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So All much. the help agents, I'm going to send them. Come on, send over the help agents. <laughs> All right, who else has questions? Come on, y'all, spin them out because... Antoine has his mic unmuted. Come on, Antoine. I didn't know I had my mic unmuted. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries, no worries. If you have the question... I have a question. Come on, Miss Sandra. And... In, 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 in... Y'all forgive me because I am so learning, but I want to be learning it. faster and better. But there are some things that it's like blocking. I'm on. I, I want to cry because I can't. I'm not can't. I'm. I'm not getting it the way I want to get it. But I've had a question posed to me, and I don't know how 
to properly answer it because I want to not only answer their question, but give them the, the respect of asking me, because that's like really cool. But I'm looking out for Sandra first this time. It, does that make sense? I'm, I'm learning how to be about God's business where it concerns me. Come on, Sandra. So I want to have the cushion that I need in respect to retirement and not having to have to lean on someone else. I have learned so much. So the property that I'm going to send you, I know I need to to get that through my head it's not it's not clicking for me but I wanted to and I needed to because I need my own and in the process I want to have uh that support coming to me also so my question is how do I answer to um someone saying that they would be in sync with me when I make a deal with, can you split it like part owner, part owner, ABC, you know, like that. Because I don't want a lot of people, you you seen that movie um, Friday when my boy said to, said the old girl, uh, yeah, um, my mama don't want a, a lot of people at her house. <laughs> so how do you how do you let them know that if they want to do a deal, then they have to find their way? Because for me to to do a deal with them, I feel like it would be a pull down versus a lift up. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. And that Antonio once gave us a list of things to consider when partnering with someone. And that's what you're talking about. And that's a, that's, that's, a word. that's the word partner, partner, yeah. partnering. That's its own kid in itself. Because I hate to say it, but if the mindset is not right, money will destroy a partnership, a friendship, a relationship, any type of ship you can think of. Okay. So when you're partnering with, you'll have people that will be like, oh, Sandra, I believe in what you're doing. You know what? Let's partner together. But they may not be the best partners because you have to think, what does their marriage look like? How do they look like? How do they look like in their own business? How? What do they look like? Because if you if you are partnering, that's why. And I learned this from Antonio. When you're partnering partnering with somebody, before you even say anything, invite them out to invite them and their significant other out to dinner. See how they interact with each other, and that's what you got to deal with. A partnership is a marriage. 
And you, when you partner with somebody, you marrying all their baggage. Do you want that baggage in your bank account? So when you partner in part, when you're, if you have someone that you're looking to partner with, do your research, follow them, have a few lunches with them separately, then have a few lunches with them and their significant other. Go ask them, like you have to date your partner. Because if you don't, it's just like marrying the wrong person. What you thought was a glorious situation in the beginning, it turns out they suck. And they're sucking you down with their suck. So you have to be careful. And Mr. Otis says, it is, he says, is it wise to purchase or entertain an empty apartment building or should we strictly look at occupied properties? Okay. Let me finish, Miss Sandra, Miss Otis, because that's another question. That's a, that's a different baby in itself. So, Miss Sandra, when it comes to your partnerships, date your partners. You have people whose intentions are absolutely amazing, but they are the fig tree from a distance. And the moment you up on that fig tree, you you ask him, where is the harvest? Where is the fruit? So be careful with your partnerships. Invite them here. If they if if they can't sit with us, they can't do business with you. Let, let me go ahead and get in here because you and my go ahead because your head been up for a while. I see you. I see you over there shaking. <laughs> I was wrestling with my stuff like, should I say it? But I need to say it. Um, I invited somebody here, and the one thing I don't say nothing. I listen and I observe. But one thing about these trainings and recently I learned about the partnership, it allows me to grow in the some areas and, and the things I'm looking for in a partner. And one thing is, I don't go out searching. If that person is in an alignment with me, it's going to happen. And that person say, because they sometimes people see what's coming out and they see what you're producing and so they see, okay, that person is doing that in that group. I want her to be in my group and to produce this in my group. So when it comes down for me, that's why I was asking my grants and all that kind of stuff. So when it was come down for me to ask questions, because when you ask questions, sometimes for me, sometimes it unveils motive. And when I was asking questions for five years down the road, they was getting agitated. And it was almost like they trying to rush, 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 rush. And they were like, oh, I'm making six figures without a grant. I, already, I don't need to have the grant anyway, but I've been making six figures. So I'm like, if you're making six figures, why you want to go have on paying for grant? Because grant's supposed to be in your company, not y'all sharing it. When you do stuff the right way, you're supposed to, you know, you got to do things on the right foundation. So by me asking questions, that person getting, was getting agitated. And that person was, instead of coming to me as a partner and trying to get to know me and got, get to know where I'm, how I'm about and the people that I hang around with and, and fellowship my, myself with, like in this group, they, um, you can tell when they have a motive, you know, they was like, um, instead of them coming to me as a partner, it was almost like, it was like a, a strategy call for them. Like they trying to sell me and they want me to purchase their product for a big amount 
and I already have experience in body contouring. I already been in the industry. I know the failures and I, cause you know, I had to build it and stuff. But then since they see me speaking and all this kind of stuff, they want me to come in and add value to their group. But the same thing, because you see value in your product and you see, okay, if I buy this and buy this, you teaching me a skill, but at the same time, me te- talking about mindset and how to get your women to uh, communicating your group and move effectively out of their, out of what are they, what said, you know, the stand, whatever they in or in that moment is a skill set as well. Just like you value your product, your skill set, you have to value my speaking uh, skill abilities too. You can't expect me to come in your group and value for free why you want me to purchase your product. So I didn't have to partner with, I didn't, you know, people say, I'm partnering with you, I'm a partner with you. But when I ask questions, I'm digging deep. And the, um, the motive starts to unravel because you're getting agitated. Now you're trying to rush me. Now you're trying to do this. But for me, if I'm going to get grants, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do for next year. I'm thinking about what I'm doing for five, 10 years from, from now. And if you don't see yourself in a partnership with me that long, it, it feels like you're trying to hustle me. You're trying to get to your, your big bank, your money, and you're trying to move on to the next victim. So I just feel like I had to say that um, because I just experienced that. And so that's why for me, I just allow people to show themselves to me. And I don't just allow people to leash themselves to me because I have to be effective to the people that I'm going to be serving. Thank you. Diana? Yes, sir. Before you answer Otis's question, I'd like to piggyback on Ashia there. Um, she, she's right on the money. And folks, so is uh, Diana. In reference to, if you watch what Grace and Diana are doing for us, is they're showing us how to do our due diligence in reference to properties, doing the background, doing our homework to make sure that when we step out there, we don't look stupid and that we don't lose what we're trying to do. But the same thing applies to partnerships. And I, and I can speak from his personal experience is that, and, and most of you guys haven't seen, seen it, only a couple of you have, I've already previously published three books of poetry and they did very well when I was out there selling them. And the young man who published my book when people look at my books, they say, wow, these covers are nice. This, this is nice. And, and they're absolutely correct. And what I did, what I learned the hard way was this. He was an excellent publisher. He was a lousy businessman. Because we used to, ooh, did you catch it last year? Because we used to go out and sell the books together. So I did it part-time initially, working my full-time job, not knowing his work ethic, okay? And then because I was doing so well part-time with the books, I decided to leave my full-time job and go out and sell my books full-time with him. But he had all the connections to the places we were going. Well, guess what I found out? When we got there to start selling the books, because I sell the, sold the entire table, not just mine, he would tell people, Jerome, sell my books better than I can. And I could, because he was too busy trying to get phone numbers and, and hook up with the women he didn't want to sell no books and he didn't need to because he had another prostitute that he was pimping called Jerome out there selling his books for him. And I'm and I woke up one day and went, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
we'll, we'll work on it. And I and I looked him in the face and told him, homeboy, I'm already I'm already married. Okay, I don't need anybody else screwing me. My wife does a wonderful job. Hello, he laughed. He he. I was not funny. I was serious, and I had to walk away from that partnership because I realized that down the road it was going to destroy me because I wasn't going to compromise my ethics and my work ethic for my business because I'm a hustler. I'm going I'm oh, to get that money. You, you, you see me? And so I realized he, he thought he was back in the military where he had these administrative assistants and people working for him and he knew how hungry I was. So guess what? He just sit back and I was selling his books and giving and, and, and selling people the books and they go, okay, let me, let me get that, get his three book series. And then I give it to him and they go, wait a minute, that's not your book? I said, no, that's his book. Well, where's your book right there? 50% of the time they buy my book too. But the point was, I was doing the work for him and he wasn't even giving me a percentage of the books I sold for him, but I had to give him 20% of every book I sold because that was the agreement. So what she is saying, what Deanna's telling is very, very important. And you need to make sure, like Deanna said us earlier, what's your end game? What are you looking for to get out of this objective with the real estate? Well, what are you getting out of this partnership? Because I love that, Ashir, I love your tenacity. You know what you want and you know where you're going. And if those people don't uh, align with you and don't attract it to you, you ain't got time for them. You got to keep that moving. Hello, see? But if you know who you are and what you want, then you ain't got to worry about that. And, and those who fell off needed to fall off. Hello, and those that you need to attract will attract you. So I just wanted to add on to that before you talk to Otis. Thanks. Thank you, Uncle Jerome. You in, you in the right place. And I just said that this morning. And I said, yeah, your products are wonderful and give great results. But people are not buying the product. They are buying you. They are buying the customer service, what you give to you, give to them. Are you willing to wake up early to accommodate their client? They're buying your customer service. And that's what I'm all about. And you, they, she's thinking about training, training, because it's money in the, in the medical, you know, medical business. And for me, I'm listening. You, I'm listening how you're talking about the different people in the different events. It takes a lot of effort to get people to get in these events. Even though a nurse is skilled in the area, but they're trained to be in this area. But to get people to come to your networking events, it takes a lot to, um, to continue to do that. It, it's trust. You're building trust and rapport with these people. And then I'm listening. You think, oh, I could have had more people. You see that mindset? You see how that, that talk is coming? And that can be a little seed she's trying to put in me. But the thing is, I'm listening to all of that. But now you see how this person event turned out. Now you want to create your own meet and greet with your own people. That's why you're trying to bring me in your stuff to be your speaker. So I'm listening to all of that. Because for me, I'm family oriented. And when I'm partnering with you, you get more than a partner. You're getting a lifelong buddy. And when your ethic and the type of person, it's like a, almost like a scammer, but you're a hustler. It doesn't align with my spirit. And if it wrestles me, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. And it's not about being nice, not being, it's about protecting yourself in the long run. Right, exactly. Thank you, Arshit. Thank you, Uncle Jerome. Thank you very much. 
And I want everyone to also know that goes both ways. So make sure you are aligned when someone approaches you. And always, if they're in any partnership, if there is a clash in brands, like your extreme left and their extreme right, it can work if, if it's synergy there. But if it's so extreme, you be careful. I found it, D. I put it in the chat. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's the, the question that triggered her because I said, "Look, I did body contouring already. I have. I was training people to be licensed to be a trainer to be to have their own businesses. I was training people, and you just focusing on that. My mind is not focused on to be in the business. Antonio has been helping us to be out of our business. Why get an apartment complex to be the manager in the in the business?" My mindset is already out there. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to, that's why I'm going to the network. I'm getting the head dog to be in my business because every field I'm learning in, I might train in those areas so I can know how to function and know the functionalities of those areas, but not for me to be in those areas. And don't, it's not up to you if I, if I say I'm not gonna wanna do that because I'm already trained. You're trying to get my manual. You're trying to get my training. You're trying to get my value to get to your people so you can monetize on that. And, you know, this is so funny because it just happened. <laughs> well, I'm going to let everybody know. If people are not trying to steal from you, you ain't doing nothing. <laughs> Period, point blank. The fact that she's trying to take your whole idea, let you know she not doing nothing and you doing everything. And if your motives are incorrect, she can steal it all day. It will fail. Deanna, yeah. See, you don't messed up. You don't messed up. Okay. Because I got I got to throw one more on there. If you if you were here yesterday, folks, I finally got my I got I finally got my Michael business. But at the same time I got that, I got a phone call from a young man I spoke to about five, about five years ago. Antonio spoke to him as well. But before Antonio met him, I told him, because he, he works, he was working in the building I was working in. And, and I saw what he had done with construction and maintenance, and he put a curriculum together and all that. And he did all this from scratch, made, made the curriculum, everything. And I'm like, dude, you did all this? And he was like, yeah, but, but, but. I say, you know that the only place this is being done is here. I said, you can do this all over the US. Like that. Well, he said, oh, really? I said, yeah, you can. I say, now, can I share something with you? He said, what's that? I says, you need to make sure that everything that you've created, your intellectual property, you need to have that in writing, copyrighted, the whole line. Because I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. When this thing starts to grow, they're going to ask you to put everything in writing, and then they're going to take it and, and spread it, and you'll still get your, your W-2 and income. You might get a bonus or two or a couple, couple grand. I say, but they're not going to reimburse you for what you for what you have, right? I said, do you hear what I'm saying? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, I left him alone. Antonio came to town. I had him talk to Antonio. Antonio dropped a couple nuggets on him, right? He calls me yesterday to say, hey, Jerome, uh, I'm ready for you to talk to you. I need your help 
with what we talked about. <laughs> it took him five years, Jerome. <laughs> but, but but listen to me. But it's okay. And here now, here's the beauty, and this goes back to what Ashia was saying too about people stealing from you, and 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 you got you got to be on point. His he told his boss. He says, "Hey, boss." He says, "In order for me to put the manual together for the instructor and for the workers." I need some help. I want to hire Jerome. His boss knows me because I used to teach lab-based paint classes. So he knows I'm a good instructor. He says, I'm, I want to hire him. And, and blah, blah, blah. he said, we don't have money for the budget to hire him. You just in your spare time, put it together. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so he told me yesterday, he said, Jerome, I'm going to hire you out of my own pocket. So you need to tell me how much it's going to cost me, right? I say, I said to him, we gonna talk. He blah, 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 blah. So he thought I was gonna do it for free. I said, oh, hell no. The, the, the books say labels are at where that is high. We ain't doing this for free. I said, oh, you gonna pay me. I say, but we need to talk because here's the deal. First of all, the fact that his boss doesn't wanna pay up, pay what he needs to do to do the right thing. Uh, she, or uh, who's it, um, 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 Sandra was, I, 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 I'm gonna talk to him today. He needs to create an LLC for his own book. We're going to give the owner what he wants, but we're not going to give him the best. And then he's going to create an LLC for his own company. His name ain't going to be on nothing, but he's going to get all the bennies to go with that. And, and, and number two, when I talk to him, I'm going to say, homeboy, I says, yeah, you're going to pay me, but, but here's the deal. I don't want to get paid on the front end. I want to get paid on the back end. I want a percentage. I want a partnership. Okay. So let's work together to get all this done. And then we'll decide what that percentage is going to be. Listen to me, folks. As far as I feel, if he say, Joe, I'm going to give you 1% after expenses, it's going to be more than what he would pay me up front. But I don't believe he's going to do that because he's a man of God. So I think I'm going to get about 5, 10%. But I, but I ain't worried about that. I'm going to, I'm going to hook, I'm, I'm work with him. But when you said what you said, I said, I thought about what happened yesterday. I'm on a call trying to write down my stuff. And then he called me and I went, uh-uh. I said, God, what you doing? Exceedingly abundant ball, you actually think? I said, stop. So I just wanted to share that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Otis. Man, no, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. And thank you, Archie, as well, because going into this, when people see that you are doing good and you buying all these properties, they're gonna be like, "Well, hey, you know, yeah, let's. Why don't we um partner? Oh, okay. Let's go have dinner. Well, you know, I'm not gonna be okay. Let's do lunch. I, I don't have time for. Okay, if you don't have time for me, how you gonna have time for business? Because I need you to understand something. We partners." we married and we not fitting to do this double life marriage i'm gonna need to know these things up front what you doing you, man you keep pulling me in this thing liana and that's the one thing too i don't like the um all that chaos so whatever she say i'm if i'm researching i have everything on the google doc so whenever it updates you see everything you see all the conversation and then she say oh i'm not i'm not good at documenting myself that's a red flag for me I'm in, if I'm going to come help the partner with you, I'm not coming to work in your business. I'm coming to partner alongside of you, you know? 
And for me, <laughs> this is a this is a walking lesson for me because this just happened for me. And for me, like I'm partnered to leverage you. I'm leveraging you. You using me to leverage you because you're if you've been doing it, you should have been doing it, and you're not doing it. So you using me to leverage you. No, you're right. And let let me put in a nugget for everyone real quick, and then we're gonna get Melissa, and I'm gonna answer Mister Mister Otis's question. In partnerships, remember I keep saying it's a marriage. When you marry someone, you also know their strengths and their weaknesses. Grace knows my weakness is doing. I know Grace's weakness is imagination, the thinking part of stuff. So I would never go to Grace and ask Grace, Grace, hey, can you think of some ideas for this? I know better. And Grace Grace knows if she come to me and say, hey, D, can you do this for me? She also knows I'm going to say yes. But she also knows to check back in with me in about an hour, hour and a half and be like, hey, D, did you? Because I'm going to do it. But my... I shiny things get to me very easily and I'm working on that I know I'm an adult okay don't judge me I know I'm an adult but shiny things get to me okay let my let my phone light up and then You're I decide not alone. okay let my phone light up and I decide I want to play a quick game of gin rummy a quick on. game gonna last me about an hour so mm-hmm. grace no <laughs> if, she, if I say yeah if I say yeah fool I got you that's how we talk to each other don't judge us if I say, yeah, fool, I got you. She know about an hour and a half, two hours later. Hey, D. I just, and she does it so nicely, and I know what she's doing. She go, hey, D. Hey, I'm D, doing. were you able to? That's exactly how she do it. That's exactly how she, and I'm like, dang it. No, let me do it right now. And then, she, and then she'll get a little message. Hey, Grace, this is done. <laughs> she'll be like, thank you so much, D. <laughs> and, but she does it so kindly. That's because we know each other. You, The people you partner with, you should know the same thing. Now, Arshia, if you asking her to document everything, hurry and if she was honest with herself, if she if this is how you know when somebody BSing you, if she's saying, Well, you know, I'm not just a documented type, she BSing. She just don't feel like doing it. But if she say, Arshia, look, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'ma do it, but I can't guarantee you it's gonna get done every day because that's not my strength then you know she telling you look Arshia I feel you I'm on board with you that's just not it that's just not one of my strengths and it's not intentional that, that wholeheartedly and I even go to the extra mile and say look I can train you let's get on Zoom and I can show you step by step so whenever you feel like you stuck you can go and go back to the video so you can refer back to the video not oh I don't I didn't need the grants at first. I gave the grants for you so you could get the information, not for me to do the research for you to do the information. Nah, but if you would have told you, hey, Arshia, researching is not my strength. <laughs> so if you, I'll help you. Yeah, like if you tell me, hey, just click this link and just copy and paste this for me and shoot it to me, I got you. But if you expected me to sit down and spend a day of research, I, Arshia, I'm going to be honest, but she does not, that's not my lane. <laughs> Y'all hear me say it all the time. I said it. Our shit has a wonderful question. That is not my ministry. I will find out for you. Uh, what about you apply for your own grants and I apply for my own grant? And then their reply was, well, I've been making six figures, but I don't need the grant. 
Why did you? Those are incorrect motives. Are she is giving y'all a wonderful conversation of incorrect motives? I'm just, I'm just. I'm just. Saying. Years old. I'm just I am not anointed for this. <laughs> I was like, I was Jelly. I Grace, I'm not anointed for this. Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna move on. I'm gonna move to the. I'm not anointed for this. <laughs> oh, man, um, somebody said to me, I was at church and I was trying to work the soundboard, and they said to me, Renee, what are you what are you doing trying to use this? This ain't this ain't your ministry. And I said, and I said, you know what? You show me right. And I went right along because I was like, I can, I I sing and I make sure the mic is on, but that don't mean I know how to work it. So I'm just gonna just kind of move over here to the left, to the left. I'm just, I'm just you saying. Know, yeah, but yeah, I'm not. And it's weird because I've had people say, Renee, you a writer, you write grants, right? And I'm like, I don't write grants. I don't know how to do it yet. I am will not. I learn how to do it? I probably will. But right now, Renee don't know how to do it. But I was like, I was like, but I know Deanna and I know, I know Tempest and I know Antonia. They write grants. They do it. I refer you to them. Cause Renee don't know if you if you say Renee, you know how to write a blog or you know how to write a book. Oh, I got you. So I'm but you ask me to write a grant? No, I'm not. I ain't gonna be able to do that. Home skill it. I, I ain't. That ain't my strength yet. But Will it be one day? Probably. <laughs> Today, September twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. I ain't there. There you. There you go. All right, Melissa. And then we're going to answer Otis's question because it's, I got two answers, Otis. One is me. And then the other one is what I think Antonio would say. I'm not sure, but I got you. So go, go ahead, go ahead, Melissa. When you're working with a partner, it's very, very important to know your partner's skills. I had this situation with the film in 2020. I'm very close vested when I keep my company stuff together. You guys see a little bit of how close I am. You don't even know everything I have my hands into. I took a partner in for this film and the more information I got, the more south the film project went. This was my first major film project with depth that we were talking about. This is why it didn't happen, but it's still in legation. Neither one of us can go ahead with the project because we were 50-50 partners. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know your partner, you want to keep all your records as close to you as possible. And you also own more of the percentage of the company than they do. There you go. Way, yeah, you don't ever give someone 50-50 partnership if you're doing 90% of the work. Don't do that. Don't look, okay, I'm gonna stop. That's a personal opinion. I'm gonna just filter. No, don't don't do it. Really, don't do it. it I was. Amen. <laughs> I made a mistake. I learned from the mistake, but it cost me a major film. I will not do that again. 
but at the same time as a great learning experience. Right. Because now I have 50 films sitting on my desk that we can do later. In, but we have to get Tran up first. At the same time, we have to learn from this. Keep your files close. Keep what you're doing close. And keep a great file system. And get yourself organized. There you go. Basically, CYA at all times that's why you document everything and don't give away more don't give away more than that person is doing don't do it don't do it to yourself also antonio's strategic alliance a strategic alliances plan is in the chat the questions you should ask there's a total of six questions there Miss Sandra, I'll email them to you because I know you're over your phone. Well, six questions. But when it comes to your, strate your strategic alliances, your partnerships, your marriages, and then even, even with your partnerships, it gets to a point, okay, are we just dating? Is this just dinner and a movie? Is it? Or are we looking, we looking like we looking like white on rice. Like, what we doing? So I can, because I'm out of the seasonal phase of relationships in my life. So I need to know. I'm out of the dinner and the movies phase. I need to know. I'm looking for white on rice because my money needs to be white on rice. So we doing this together or is you going to be seasonal? All right. Amen. <laughs> All right, now, Mr. Otis's question was absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because you can do what's called a lease up, which is when you take an empty building and you just flow them in. Property owners, leasing agents, and managers, if they're good at it, love lease-ups because those bonus checks don't think leasing agents don't get a commission off of the, the apartments they lease don't think that don't happen if that property manager meets a quota they get a bonus if they get a bonus the regional manager gets a bonus if the regional manager gets a bonus the district i'm sorry district manager gets a bonus and then the regional manager gets so understand, but the question is, when you put that money in there, can you guarantee yourself that you can lease it up in enough time to make that first payment? Or do you have enough cushion? Like Mr. Antoine was saying earlier, do you have enough cushion to cover a year of expenses just in case you don't get it leased up? So entertaining an empty apartment building, depending on location, is good. They could have just built it. It could be empty. They could have just built it. And the partnership fell apart. <laughs> and so now they're trying to sell it. But because there's so much going on, and I'm, this is exactly how this happens. There's so much going on, nobody's paying attention to the office. 
So whether they're leasing or not, it's kind of out the question because the owners are not getting along. So that apart, that the rent may may not be getting collected because nobody's paying attention. There may not they the office may they may not even be showing up in the office because trusting to believe the office knows when something's going on because if they have problems and they start calling and nobody's answering. So depending on the location, I would, I would, the thought of entertaining depend an empty apartment building depends on location. If it's in like my my favorite location, I love to say, um, if it's two miles from the the hospital district and it's two miles from the the, the stadium medical district, two miles from the stadium is is in walking distance from the nearest college that's a good empty property to use because you can do a lot with it because you can do fully fully furnished apartments for the people in the medical center you can do um bs for the people who come in to see the big games and you got college students in walking distance do you know how much a college student would love to just park their car and walk Oh my goodness. Just the drive to get to the counselor office, I was like, <laughs> but <laughs> so there's a lot that you can do depending on the location of that empty apartment building. And you also want to know why is it empty? Like, why is it empty? That's the huge question. Is it empty because it's, it's issues in the back office, or is it empty because something wrong with the property? Because you can have these fabulous properties completely empty only to go in and find out there's a foundational issue, there's a structural issue, there's an air conditioning issue. So I would, I would think about entertaining an empty apartment complex based on where it is. But you always, always want properties that are occupied because they're cash flowing already so the moment you put your money into it the moment you start getting money out of it so i hope that answered your question mr otis uh i answered it to the best of my ability uh, or how 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 we putting this um i have answered it to the best of my anointing i have answered it to the <laughs> to the best of my anointing so did that help you mr otis he put yeah. a thumbs up it it oh. did it okay. did awesome awesome okay. you're welcome and thank you for asking the question because that is a really good question that is a really good question and you always for any property you buy you always want to check out your comps as well your uh comparisons because if that property is empty, but the two right next door at 100% occupancy, some questions. If it's, but again, if it's back office issues, the, I went to an apartment complex because I was scouting some stuff out. And I've been at this, I actually lived at this apartment complex before. So when I walked in, I'm talking to the lady. She's showing me a part of the apartment complex I've never been in because where I looked was where I lived was in the back yes um we'll post the replay in discord for everyone if you don't have discord email me please email me 
if you don't have discord email me but and so i so i was in part of the complex i never seen before so i'm walking through and everything and she was like and when i was telling her she was because i used to be a resident there she and i used to be an an apartment manager she freely gave some information up like the fact that an entire building actually no an entire part of the apartment complex was without air conditioner because they were in the process of selling because the previous owners did not pay attention to how much it would actually cost to renovate so they bankrupt so they sold to somebody else and now that the new owners are there she's in the office by herself and this is not a small property so not only is she doing a renovation but she's also doing a lease up at the same property but because of all the back office issues people went almost a year without air conditioning so they just started moving out of that section of the apartment complex so it all depends on why it's vacant. If it's a back office issue, you can you can fix that because people are still going to pay rent. If they're living there, they're going to pay. If 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 you, they don't know anything, if nothing in their in their exact perimeter is not disturbed, they will pay. So be so be mindful. You can look at the empty ones. And it'll be a good year when you get it all leased up at one time. That one month will be a great month. And now you know, okay, we can do this. We got these people for a good 12 months. <laughs> 13 if we ran a special. <laughs> Start cooking. Oh, Start cooking. <laughs> and the amenities. If it's a vacant property, what are the amenities on that property? Because if you have a vacant apartment, comp uh, empty apartment building, wonderful amenities, back office will kill a lot of money. That's why you got to be careful with your partnerships. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is now 9.42 a.m. I thank you all so much for being with us. There will be no, no classes today. Please, please send your energy and your prayers out to Phil and Susan. They are preparing for a hurricane that's supposed to hit between tonight and tomorrow. So send them your love, text them and check on them. Um, so there will be no classes tonight. Yeah. Mm -mm. So no bureau keynotes because they're the master trainers. <laughs> that that is not my anointing thank you so much for for, for saying that. that that is my new thing that that is not my anointing because all i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna sit back and i'm gonna watch i'm like oh that was good that was a real good i love it with you i'm not i'm gonna it's not my anointing so i stay in my lane but I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Grace, thank you so much for holding it down while I was on that drive. I yes, appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Everyone have an amazing day. Yes, stay in, stay in your call. You know what, Miss Shelley? <laughs> Put it on a shirt. Mm -hmm. That is a shirt. Miss Shelley, you have merchandise now because that is a shirt. Stay in your calling. Merch. 
And that, that is not my anointing. Yes. That, that is not my anointing. So when someone come up to you talking about, hey, such as the, uh, mm-mm, mm-mm, Read a term and just wear it out for them. That is not my anointing. Sorry, but I am not anointed for that. <laughs> I love it. Stay in your mm-hmm. calling. That is not my anointing. <laughs> I wear that Thank you. <laughs> you gave me a new way to be petty. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. You gave me a new way to be petty. It's fun to be petty sometimes. I'm just saying. Stay, stay in your calling. How about you do that? Stay in your call. So don't y'all be offended when I say social media is not my anointed. Uh, uh, I am not I, at the present time. I am not anointed for that. Understood. Uh, we we will help you. We will help you build your ministry, Michelle. We will help you. You have a whole community of people that will help you build your ministry. Because trust and believe, what I'm doing at this very moment, talking out my mouth to y'all so freely, that was not. Wow, that's a blessing. In no that's shape, form, or fashion. A blessing. You guys, everybody used to get on here and talk like this. I would talk like this and I would be reading and it sound like I'm reading. Now, now I'm like, you know what, y'all? I'm sorry. We've been here long enough. Y'all know me well enough. If you don't, I'm so sorry. But uh, you get what you get. <laughs> you have arrived. You get what you get. <laughs> you, are, you are now in your calling. Come on. That's right. All right, Michelle. Okay, Michelle. Look, don't make me get up and start screaming now. Wait a minute. It took a while. It took a while. <laughs> Trust me, it took a while to get here. And I appreciate and receive that I am now in my college, just like all of you are now in your college. Okay. I love all of y'all so much. Y'all make me laugh and smile and cry all at the same time i love you all y'all have an amazing tuesday i thank you for i thank jerome for saying yesterday when we were on the call because i really thought today was monday um <laughs> that's been happening lately i missed the whole friday was gone for me it didn't exist love you all thank you, love you more thank you Hi. dr Trash. see y'all love all you more y'all love morning. you more love, love you more, more. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.